So putting this all together, Please. it was measurement, reporting, and technical setup that uh, led us to, to, to achieve those gains. So I, I just want to say that in the first full year, 2019, we were able to increase the revenue by over 900% while growing the uh, investment, the ad spend by 450%. Hey, everyone, and welcome to E-Commerce Speaks with ROI Hunter. Today, we're speaking with Mike Proknitsky, who comes to us with experience from being per performance marketing lead at the Razor Group and previously the head of paid social at Motival. So thank you so much for joining us here today, Mike. Sam, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So, uh, yeah, let me uh, let me get right into it with you. I uh, can you talk talk to us a bit about the work you've done as a performance marketing lead uh, when you uh, yeah when you were at the Razor Group? Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the challenges you faced, how you measured success. Yeah, so I will I will start with uh, describing the type of company the Razor Group is. Please. It's a brand aggregator. Uh, so basically, that's a business that buys other e-commerce businesses that sell their products on either. Uh, some kind of marketplaces like Amazon, or they have their own D2C stores, let's say based on Shopify. So after Razor Group purchases given business, then it tries to scale it in-house with in-house in -house resources, in-house uh, product team, in-house IT team, in-house marketing team. So basically I was a team lead in, in the performance marketing team. We were responsible for running performance campaigns across multiple channels, for over 10 brands selling uh, on Shopify stores across international markets. What would you say were some of the uh, some of the most tricky things that you had to face on a day-to-day -day basis? Like could you walk us through a day uh, a day in a life? Yeah, I think I think that one of the most tricky things was uh, putting all the data together because when working with multiple Shopify stores, yeah. uh, multiple channels, multiple ad accounts, across multiple currencies often because these were the ad accounts that we took over from the businesses when when they were purchased right so there were like sure. different setups of measurement different payment methods different currencies different types of campaigns so so starting with it, it was uh, first fixing the basics making sure that we've got operational payment methods for each and gotcha. every Ad account, setting uh, consistent naming conventions, making sure that the tracking is set in the correct way on every platform and every ad account, and then coming to aggregating all this data together. Because as I said, operating with such multiple number of entities, uh, as a performance marketing team lead, I needed to have a way uh, to look at the data in one place for every store, for every yeah. channel. So. You can imagine that going through all of these dashboards, 10 Shopify stores, 20 ad accounts, and so on, was very time consuming. So I we had imagine. to figure out a way to, to manage that in the beginning. Did you have uh, any, any favorite tools that you used for managing that? Yeah, I think, I think the, the tool that helped us a lot was uh, Supermetrics, mm -hmm. uh, an API connector that let us pull the data from all the platforms that we were using 
put them into one place, for example, Google Sheets, and then use some stitching and visualization in order to, to have a set of dashboards that we are using on, on a daily basis. Okay, so it was, uh, there was still some manual work involved then to bring it all together, stitch that data together, and be able to assess it all as one? Th that's right, but when you did okay. it for the first time and set the right formulas and the right uh, schedules, then it was all automated from, from that point. I see, that's great. Uh, is it something that you see uh, would become even easier in the future as uh, as AI starts to take over? Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious how you would imagine AI would come into work like this as we progress. Yeah, I mean, there is obviously some kind of uh, algorithm to that. You need to pull the data from the right places, then you mm -hmm. need to maybe stitch them based on the, let's say, day. And then you put all the data in the corresponding rows from different sure. sources. That's, that's the easiest way, just to use the, the current date as the connector for all the data. Of mm -hmm. course, you, you can go even deeper and you can go into campaign, ad group or ad set or ad level, but that's like another thing. But I think in the in the basic version, when you stitch the data based on the date, I think the AI would could do that in the future. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just going to see such ease of usage, hopefully, or just improved performance as it comes in. Uh, one thing that I wanted to get into with you was your, your previous position before the Razor Group. Uh, when you were head of social at uh, Motival, I noticed that you were you were talking on your LinkedIn about scaling the monthly spend from five figures to seven figures uh, without obviously going into too much detail about stuff. Can, can you tell us a little more about that and how you went about that as as head of social? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So basically, when I joined uh, Modival, it was mm -hmm. called Elbovia back then, but right now it's Modival. It okay. was already a big company. It was one of the best known e-commerce companies in, in Poland, and it was well known, I think, in Central Europe. Yeah, uh, It had like a few hundred employees. Uh, Elbovia brand was present on, I think, 12 markets and new markets were being launched. So when I joined, there were only two people working in the paid social department. And my role uh, was to take paid social activities to the next uh, level. Mm -hmm. So there were few key areas that I needed to address in the beginning. So the first one was measurement and reporting. And here it was kind of similar to the Razor Group where, where you had like multiple ad accounts, multiple Google accounts, Google Analytics accounts, uh, and you needed to stitch that data together. So so that was one thing. The other area was uh, technical setup. It was related to uh, pixel improvements, especially uh, tracking product interactions uh, mm -hmm. more precisely. Also, we needed to touch up uh, and product fit a little bit. Uh, the other key area was uh, managing uh, relations with stakeholders um, because that was also a very important part to, to, to make them informed about our progress and how we are doing. Sure. Um, and then finally, communicating uh, business goals uh, to the team. That's also important part, like translating what comes from above my position to to, to the team that I was working with. And let me let me go a little deeper into Please, yeah. into the the measurement part. So we we started with um, with introducing of consistent nomenclature of the campaigns, ad sets, and ads that we are using. And because before I came, it was a bit of, a, a bit of you know, it wasn't as organized as I wanted it to be because I, I was already okay. thinking 
that the data needs to be pretty cleaned up in order for us to use it on aggregated level in the future. Absolutely. I mean, even for, for a lot of tools, you have to make sure that your data is clean to the point where it's usable. Exactly. And the, the other area that was related to that was implementation of automatic UTM tagging. Right now, I think it's a standard for every other account, but, but back then it, it wasn't as popular. And uh, when I came, uh, the, the company was still using manual tagging for most of the campaigns, which was on one hand time consuming and it, it was also prone to errors when uh, using manual UTM tagging. Uh, and another part related to that was automatic Facebook and Google analytics data merging at the scale. Okay. So when we already had the clean data, we had an automated UTM tracking, then we were ready to pull the data into one place and stitch it together. And then at the final point, we were able to, to collect data, draw conclusions and introduce some changes to the, uh, to the campaigns, to the activities we were running. But I think what the viewers and listeners to the podcast uh, would like to know, because yeah. these are some, this is just fixing the basics. What, what gave us, uh, you know, big improvement after right. implementing all of these basics was making sure that our measurement was perfect. And uh, I want to say again that making sure that the product interactions were tracked correctly. And mm -hmm. it's not about, you know, reading the documentation the metapixel documentation back then because then there, there wasn't such a such thing like copy it wasn't only reading that but also understanding and making sure that we apply these methods to our business case so that was something that gave us a huge boost in in performance uh, back then so putting this all together Please. it was measurement reporting and technical setup that uh, led us to to, to achieve those gains so I, I just want to say that in the first full year, 2019, we were able to increase the revenue by over 900% while growing the uh, investment, the ad spend by 450%. So we not only increased, yeah, we not only increased the scale of revenue by 10 times, we also increased the return on ad spend by two times by, by using those uh, methods. Yeah, I mean, because I know it's it's tough to keep it even consistent while you're actually scaling revenue by that much. So the fact that you're able to improve it with that is is amazing. Yeah, and, and in upcoming years, of course, the growth wasn't as uh, dramatic, like 900%, but it was still sure. 200% in upcoming years. And, and then, uh, you know, of course, we reached at some point after a few years, we reached um, that stagnation period. But the, the first, I think, Three years when, when I was in the company, it was this explosive growth um, for a few years. Now, did you notice over the time that you were there uh, much of an evolution in social media? Was there was there a lot of change happening? Uh, like, what, what were the biggest things that you saw changing over that period? Yeah, so so I think the the, the first one and the one that um, influences performance marketing the most were privacy concerns and regulations. Sure. These were the times when iOS 14, the dreaded iOS 14 was introduced and changed a lot, a lot in, hence, in the way we run the campaigns, right? Hence bringing in Cappy and all of the, uh, the ways to connect the additional signals. Exactly. And, and speaking of, uh, you know, managing the relations with stakeholders, that was one of the challenges that I mentioned. It was getting them on board to, let's say, uh, 
putting some IT resources into actually implementing Capi. Really? In a, yeah, exactly. Because in a company like this, the I, we had internal IT department, and yeah. you know they are always busy. They always have a lot to do with with the you know e-commerce platform and so on. And one of the most important things when implementing Capi was getting the C level on on board. And did they just not see the value in it, or they didn't want to take the risk of uh, of connecting? I it? mean. It, I, I think after we presented it in a in a very convenient way, sure. they saw that. But it, it was the the job that we needed to do to to, to tell them about the big influence that the copy would have on our business, especially given those privacy changes. I mean, yeah, because I mean, now Capi has become pretty much an a must have. Just in, <laughs> we're a little late on this. In case anyone uh, is unaware, what Capi stands for, it's conversions API. It's the way that. Uh, Meta has connected additional signals to the campaigns for targeting so that you can still send the right products to people while respecting the privacy concerns that come from Apple's iOS 14 update. Did I get that? Is there anything I'm missing from that that you would add for Cappy? No, I think I think you, you described it perfectly. And you know, b- back then, we were one of the first um, Meta customers in Poland that were implementing that tool. Really? Yeah, and I, I mean, I feel like this is something that's going to be like if you if you are a retailer out there and you haven't implemented Cappy yet, we're still waiting for Google to sunset third party cookies on Chrome. So once once that happens, it'll be even more essential because you're just going to lose out on all of the data you were collecting from there before. That's right, and the clock is ticking all the time. Yes, yes, we're uh, we're moving f- closer and closer to uh, the privacy protections that we need as users which just means we need to find new solutions as advertisers that will uh, yeah, take all of that into account. Yeah. And, and, and also co- coming back to the social media yeah. and how it's evolving. So, so the first one was privacy concerns and regulations. The other sure. one is social commerce. I think it's a big part of uh, every major social media platform right now. Meta and TikTok are trying to move the purchase behavior from outside the platform into the platform to make the process as frictionless as possible for the users and also to, to keep the most data uh, because given those privacy changes, they also want to, to have that uh, in their platform. So they, yeah, they want to keep the user data. It's like how years ago, everyone was switching from websites to apps to make sure that all the user data was staying within one place rather than gathering it. Exactly. Uh, now people want to make sure they can stay on the website keep the users there for as long as possible. I mean, that's Meta's discovery commerce thing, get people on the site so they discover the next thing they want to buy. Uh, and, please. And, and, and one, one of the big things related to that is that, let's say in Razor Group, of course, I said that we are operating on D2C stores, mm-hmm. mostly on Shopify. But the, the biggest scale of business was happening... Uh, Outside D2C channel, it was on the marketplaces like Amazon. And one of the key challenges was uh, supporting the Amazon sales, but without having this data flowing from Amazon to Meta. But recently, I read that uh, Meta and Amazon had, I think, some kind of deal that would enable maybe really? some exchange of the data between the marketplace and the platforms. So if it's going to happen, it's going to be big because, you know, I think that the way the e-commerce industry is evolving, it's evolving more and more towards the marketplaces. Yeah. Instead of 
individual shops, right? And that is, please correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the one of the biggest challenges there is making sure that you have enough data to inform those campaigns since it's on the platform. Because like like you're saying, if Amazon and Meta are making a deal, uh, in order to get that data there, that's because if they're just doing all of their operations on Meta, they can't connect the data they would get from their Amazon sales there. Exactly. So use it to inform campaigns. Which is actually that that's one of the things at ROI Hunter that we've been uh working on is connecting those additional signals from not just uh not just a place like uh like Google, but from custom sources as well, so that you can bring all of that into your meta campaigns and enhance something like Cappy. Yeah, great to hear that. And and you are clearly ahead of the curve in that uh, area and you are setting new trends. Uh now. One thing I wanted to get into it with you uh, in terms of uh, staying informed in the industry, uh, as somebody who comes from a content background like myself, I'm always interested in how people in roles like yours like to keep up with the industry. Like, what, what are your favorite ways to stay informed? I think one of my, of my favorite ways is listening to, to podcasts related to our industry. Of you course, I... Listeners, yeah. Exactly. That, I, think, I think that's that's the best way because... <laughs> Podcast is this, you know, kind of long form, uh, I don't know, conversation yeah. that, uh, that there is this part of interaction between the host and, and the guest and that you won't get in some kind of written interview. So Absolutely. I think uh, podcasts are, are the best way to gather new information and, and stay on top of, of the newest trends. Do you have any uh, any favorites that you listen to? Like, I know I, know I listen to uh, 2X e-commerce but uh, beyond that, I, I'm always looking for more. Yeah, I think w when it comes to, to Meta, I think mm -hmm. uh, John Loomer podcast is one of the, the biggest ones and, and the, the oldest ones. Uh, when it comes to broader marketing, I think I think there is this, I think it's called CMO podcast. Mm. I'm not sure if I recall the name. Right Sounds now. really familiar, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, so now is it just podcasts? Like if you're if you're looking to go and research something in particular, like let's say you're looking for new new tactics to try for 2024, something uh, something happening on social, would you would you go seeking a uh, a webinar, an ebook, a video? I I think uh, so. On one hand, I'm trying to to stay connected and in contact with uh, my colleagues from the sure. industry, and we just exchange information. And the other, the other area, I think, are uh, performance marketing community communities posted on you know social media groups or Discord servers, and, and this is one of one of the another trends in social media, like the the growth of uh, niche communities. Okay, so niche communities. What like what uh, what are some examples of what you mean by that? I mean, so so one of these would be like a community of uh, Facebook ad buyers or, I don't know, Google ad buyers or performance marketers, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I would call that a niche community. So really, it's uh, it's all coming back to the social networks and it's where you're selling the stuff or where you're getting the information from networking exactly. people on how to sell the stuff. Huh? Exactly. You know, uh, speaking of the, the e-commerce industry, uh, We've been talking a lot with our clients at ROI Hunter about having a renewed focus on profitability, uh, because right now with the uh, with the state of the recession, interest rates, the economy, it's it's no longer as much of a uh, a growth focused economy. People are looking more for sustainability now. They're looking for ways to have those those real world actions affecting their performance. 
Uh, what what are your thoughts on this? What what have you experienced in your roles? Yeah, I think, and, and also one, one big factor that we need to take into account is that previously, as, as you said, everyone was focused on, on growing because the venture capital mo- money was very easily accessible for the Big companies. money, cheap exactly. capital. Yeah. Right now, it's it's not as easy as it used to be to, to get funding. So that's why there is this also big shift to profitability. Absolutely. And I think um, in, in that case, it's it's more about sending the right data to the platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, you can, with let's say, let's use a meta ads as an example, as a purchase value, you could send the, and let's say gross revenue that you generated from given purchase. Yeah. But with little tweaks, you would be able to pass maybe your contribution margin of that given products that uh, mm-hmm. you were selling. So then instead of optimizing for the volume of the purchases, their revenue, then you would be optimizing towards the highest contribution margin possible. And then using ob- objectives and optimizations like value optimization for meta, mm-hmm. maybe you can achieve some outstanding results in that field. And uh, I mean, again, not to not to keep talking, pitching ROI hunter, but that's that's something that we've been getting into a lot is really optimizing toward greater profitability. Uh, by doing that, that data sharing type stuff, getting uh, getting the margins from your merchandising department, connecting it with your marketing department so that you can actually filter your products and start promoting them based on the ones that are going to going to have the greatest uh the greatest gross margin sorry the greatest yeah gross profit for your for your company yeah and i agree that roy hunter is a great tool for that because if we didn't have roy hunter then it would uh require us to to maybe do some custom solution in-house that would obviously take time and knowing that it departments usually have other priorities, it wouldn't be as effective as just using ROI hunting. That's the thing. There are things you can do to find that profitability, uh, profit by like product by product. But in terms of, yeah, scalable solution, being able to actually filter your catalog and be like, okay, let's find my most profitable products and we'll promote those and bring that margin into me is, uh, yeah, it's something that is better to have a tool for so that people aren't stitching together the data their entire day. And also speaking of ROI Hunter, yeah. the the things that we did in the beginning at Obuvia uh, and Modivo, this pulling the data using super metrics and stitching it, to, it together, it's also yeah, one yeah. of the features of ROI Hunter. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe if we started using your tool a little sooner, maybe it would be even easier for us to, to have that data available. Well, yeah. Now, what was what was your experience like working with ROI Hunter back when you were at Modivo? I mean, you know, as I said, there was a point when we reached uh, this kind of stagnation point. Sure, sure. Uh, and we needed to look for some outside of the company solutions. And I think ROI Hunter was a perfect fit for us, especially given the um, additional features regarding like passing the margin of the products to the product feed Definitely. or having this Google Analytics and metadata at one place automatically updated. It was, you know, Still, our dashboards did something very similar, but it was way more convenient to media buyers to have that on the platform and in interactive way. And, and I think the, the other big feature that convinced us to, to use ROI Hunter mm-hmm. was the feature to customize the images in our feed. And it was uh, a big, yeah. big uh, de- decision point for us. 
I'm glad to hear that. I, uh, you know, the the last thing that I, that I wanted to talk with you, Mike, about uh, which I'm asking all of our guests is just if there was any advice uh, that you would want to give to e-commerce retailers listening, uh, what would that advice be? I mean, I think one of the most important ones is making sure that your measurement, uh, your pixel setup, your copy setup, your first uh, party data usage is yeah. on, on the highest possible level. Because with, with the evolving privacy changes, you need to have your, your data right in order to achieve basically anything. Yeah. If you can't target people correctly, you're not going to sell your products. And and, and, and also there, there will be like a bigger and bigger focus towards the first party data as, as absolutely. third party data just basically fades away. And on the platforms, you can see this evolution towards broad targeting, automated campaigns, this mm -hmm. kind of black box ones like Pmax or ASC yes. on, on Meta. They are performing very well right now, but you know who knows how, it's, how they're going to perform in the future. Yeah, got to make sure that you can keep the uh, the data that you need without taking too much away from the users for them. Exactly, data is the the new gold. Data is the new gold. We need to uh, yeah figure out how to use it best. Exactly. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and uh, I look forward to talking with you more in the future. Thank you, Sam. It was a great pleasure.